You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. You may, or you may not, be aware that in a past life I was an accountant, tax consultant and banker. And you may wonder what that has to do with what I do these days, but I want to tell you a story and there's an important point to this story, obviously or I wouldn't bother telling it to you. Back in 1990 I got a job to turn a failing bank around. This bank was way ahead of its time. It had gone bankrupt in 1988, a full 20 years before the financial crash of 2008. I was brought in from the outside because I wasn't a banker. I didn't know an awful lot about banking. I knew a fair bit about finance, but I didn't understand how a bank actually made its money. So I had to come in and look at the whole thing from a completely new perspective, fresh set of eyes. And I sniffed around the place for about six months and in the process began to talk to the other members of the senior leadership team whom I would take away to lovely hotels for two or three days at a time so we would strategize and plan and do all the good stuff that leadership teams do in business. They would agree to a whole new way of looking at how the place was to be managed. They would agree to all kinds of new actions And after three wonderful days in a nice hotel, they'd go back to headquarters and do exactly the same things they had been doing for years, the stuff that had got them into trouble in the first place. I could not understand this. I actually thought they were crazy. How could apparently responsible adults, having got themselves into the mess that they had got themselves into, Go back and keep doing the same thing over and over, even after having discussed and agreed that there was a new way of doing things. And I wouldn't mind. Their livelihoods depended upon it, and indeed there was plenty on offer from a financial point of view should they succeed. Anyway, as I say, I thought they were crazy, and I went looking for help. I asked in a variety of different places, a couple of universities, Cranfield Business School, the American Management Association, Management Centre Europe in Brussels, who eventually put me in touch with a semi-retired American psychologist who was all set up in a little place called villars sur in the Swiss Alps, about an hour and a half from where I'm sitting now. I went to see him. I went to ask him what was wrong with these crazy people and he told me that we're all crazy and it was a bombshell and it changed my life. It led me to leave the bank in 1996 and I've been doing what I'm doing now ever since. What I discovered and the purpose of this story is that being in control of your own state of mind is not an option. It's not a nice to have. The choice we have is one between mindfulness and mindlessness. As you know from previous podcast episodes, when we are not in control of our own state of mind, our state of mind is controlled 
by what cognitive psychology calls the automatic pilot that runs our lives. Or perhaps there's an I missing from that word. More likely, ruins our lives. Because everything we do here in 2021 is dictated by what we learned when we were three years old. Everything that I do now, everything that I experience now, if I'm operating on autopilot, is evaluated by stuff that I learned in 1960 and 1961. There is no way in the wide earthly world that I could behave myself properly, that I could act properly, as distinct from react to what I think is going on. There's no way, based on the fact that I'm looking at what is going on now, and as cognitive psychology tells us, cognitively appraise what's going on now by reference to information, stored knowledge, as it's called, that is decades out of date. Little wonder that people fall in and out of abusive relationships again and again and again. Little wonder that people who don't like their job jump from the frying pan into the fire. Little wonder that my friends in the bank couldn't break the habit of an automated adult lifetime and kept doing the same things again and again and again until they eventually saw a little bit of sense. The sense they saw was based on them understanding that if they set their mind in a different way, their actions would begin to change. And this leads me to another important point. I have a problem with the way mindfulness is generally taught. And my problem is that it's taught in a vacuum. I want to tell you another story about another leadership team, one for whom I acted as a consulting psychologist over a period of about 10 years. Just like my friends in the bank, I would take them off for a couple of days to nice hotels, but in this case we were talking about how to gain control of your own state of mind, how to manage your state of mind, even in a crisis, or per perhaps particularly in a crisis, and how to set your mind to achieve your goals and objectives. Because as I said a minute ago, in setting your mind, it begins to dictate what actions you take. And they're actions rather than reactions. And there is a world of difference. Over the course of the years that I was working with that team, obviously team members came and went. And when a new member of middle management was elevated to the leadership team, they would have to spend a day with me in advance of them going off to one of these off-site strategy sessions because if they didn't spend a day with me and arrived with a group of people who were meditating together, they might be forgiven for thinking that they had joined some kind of, of cult or secret society. Now, the leadership team was so committed to what they called mindfulness that they ensured that all middle management members went through an eight-week mindfulness program, a standard eight-week mindfulness program. So when I would meet a new incoming member of the team for that one day before they would join the team, obviously they knew about mindfulness. But actually they didn't really know about mindfulness at all because they had been taught mindfulness in a vacuum. They were kind of taught 
that mindfulness is about being cool and calm and zen. And yes, it is. But that's only the half of it, because being zen and being calm is no use unless you actually know what you're doing and know why you're doing it and you're using that cool, calm and collected state of mind to do the right things in the right way at the right time to get to where you want to go. They had basically been given the tree-huggy version of mindfulness and they picked up meditation and put it down again. Some of them said to me, oh yeah, I got something out of that for a few days or a couple of weeks, which then I just drifted back to the way I was before. Others said, oh, that was all nonsense in the first place, you know, oh, be zen and you'll never suffer from stress again in your life. What a load of nonsense. And I would fully agree with that evaluation of the statement that was actually said to some of these people. If you're cool and calm, you'll never suffer another day's stress in your life. Life is full of challenges. Of course, we're going to encounter situations that are potentially stressful. But the more mindful we become, the more we are able to manage our mind to ensure that we don't make the automated choice to stress ourselves. And herein lies my key point. We're all crazy until we do something about it. Evolution has designed our minds for survival, not to enable us achieve the things that we want to achieve in our work, in our play, in our relationships, in our life. We are crazy until we take control of our own personal evolution. In other words, we have, and we are daily faced with, a stark binary choice. We can either be mindful or mindless, and there's no in-between. Mindfulness is not a nice to have. Mindfulness is a prerequisite to you living the life that you would love to experience. So you have a choice, my friend. And only a fool would choose to stay mindless. Only a fool would say, ah, sure, I'm happy, I'm grand, as the Irish would say. I'm grand with the way things are, and sure, I'll just mosey on, muddle along and make it through the day. What a waste. What an absolute waste of the wonder of each moment today, which brings me to another important point in relation to this binary choice between mindfulness and mindlessness. It's not a one-off choice. It is a choice that we have to make daily. It is a choice that we have to make moment to moment. We don't just have to wake up from the slumber imposed upon us by our thoughts, from that trance state. We have to stay awake, because we never know the day nor the hour when we could put our foot in it and do something so wrong that it leads us off down another path of failure, stress, de-stress, and all that goes with it. Nor do we ever know the day nor time when opportunity will knock. And here's the really interesting thing about opportunity, and I'll quote a girl I'm talking to in England about this at the moment. She said to me a few weeks ago, before I met you, she said I was just muddling through. And now I realise that opportunity is all around me, 
and that opportunity always was all around me. It's just that I only saw opportunity the day I opened my eyes. You have to open your eyes and you have to keep your eyes open. We never know when we're going to stumble across the opportunity that will effortlessly take us, not in the direction that we want to go, because when we think about the direction we would like our lives to go, it's generally the case that we think about it. And therefore, our thinking minds, using knowledge that we learned when we were three years old, have created a version of what we think we want, which is probably not what we want at all. I mean, the number of people that I've worked with over the years who set their minds to achieve what they thought they wanted, got it, and realized that that isn't what they wanted at all. I know quite a lot of people that way, but you couldn't talk them out of setting their minds to get what they thought they wanted, until, of course, they experienced the difference. Now, when we open our eyes, and when we keep our eyes open, we are going to be bombarded with opportunities that will not take us to where we want to go. They will take us to where is best for us. The life that we, deep down, truly would love to have. I suppose if you put it another way, the life that your heart desires. Now, who'd say no to that? I don't even think a fool would say no to that. And, you know, in all the trainings that I've done, and as you know, there is a load of free training that I do. Every week since December 2008, I've been sending out a free video, Quick Tip Reflection, and Normal Crazy People Story, each week since 2008, on a Thursday. Uh, obviously, there's this podcast as well. But I have online at the moment a series of free training sessions that explain, first of all, the importance of taking charge of your own state of mind and obviously how to do it. But that's only one half of what I call the two-piece jigsaw. And you may have heard me talk about the two-piece jigsaw before. The first bit we've just been talking about take charge of your own state of mind ensure that you turn up to the here and now the second piece know why you've turned up to the here and now know what you want to achieve or know what your heart desires more to the point now how do you know what your heart desires well i was talking to one particular client yesterday for the first time and he said to me just as we embark on our series of six conversations i want a new move in my career. I have another big gig in me before I retire, but I've no idea what I want to do. And he said, that's a major stumbling block for me. I said to him, you don't need to know what you want to do. It will dawn on you. Your gut instinct will tell you. Your intuition will inform you the more you let that come to the surface. In this way, you see, the two pieces of the jigsaw that I mentioned a moment ago play with each other. The clearer my mind becomes through mindfulness, the clearer my perspective on what I really want out of life becomes. It's like every time you meditate, you step another rung up the ladder. And the further up the ladder you go, the further and clearer is your view of the things that are important to you in life 
and the things that you would love to experience in your life and the things that you would love your loved ones to experience in their lives too. Interesting point, that one, which we may well come back to in another podcast or another podcast episode. The key thing for now, the key message that you need to understand straight away is that this choice is a matter of life or death, I suppose. Because if you're just muddling through and dead from the neck up, you're as good as dead. But if you're in charge of your own state of mind, you're going to surf life's big waves. And your life, even when those waves get choppy, will be plain sailing. Because you will be in the zone, you'll be doing just what you need to do. Come what may, you will be able to deal with life's challenges in the most effective way. And in fact, you'll be able to turn life's challenges, what would be imperfect moments for most people, into perfect moments. The satisfaction of rising to a challenge, meeting a crisis head on and coming out the other end, having done the right things. And of course, that's only dealing with life's challenges. The more important bit is embracing life's opportunities. Again, I was talking to another client. Uh, this wasn't one-to-one, actually. It was just in the course of one of our Zoom conversations or a couple of our Zoom conversations for uh, online program owners a couple of years ago. This chap in Devon joined the online program telling me and the group in our first conversation that he was in his late 50s and wanted to sell his little business because he was getting too old for it, but wanted new business opportunities that would be less physically taxing. And he said, there are no business opportunities out there. I've been looking around for ages and I, I don't know what to do. We have these group Zoom conversations every third Wednesday night. And three weeks later, he was back on Zoom and he was saying to the group, he said, believe it or not, in the first week after I went through the program, I came across five opportunities, one for each day of the working week. There are opportunities everywhere, he said. All you have to do is open your eyes or, and he put it another way, all you have to do is tune your mind in to the reality of the here and now. Now, consider that sentence. Our minds, when we are operating on autopilot, are tuned in to a station that is playing music that's decades out of date. And we actually think we are back in those years when we were young and impressionable. It all happens subconsciously. It's all designed to enable us make it through the day. It was designed for an age when we needed to have our wits about us, where a man or woman eating tiger to leap from the bushes. And it totally divorces us from the reality of the here and now in our modern lives, and in particular, it divorces us from the opportunities that would enable us to live our modern lives in the way we would love to live them. Not want to live them, love to live them. When you meditate, you tune yourself in. When you meditate, 
you break the spell that your thoughts have had over you for all of your adult life. It doesn't mean that the thoughts will go away straight away. A, a number of people who have recently started my online program, or even people who are going through my free training, would email me and say, oh, I can't meditate. I'm finding it awful difficult to concentrate. Oh, my mind is so noisy. My mind dances off in all kinds of different directions. Oh, when I try to calm down, I realize just how bad I am at overthinking. It's only natural. It's the way we're wired. And from the age of about 12 or 13 years on, our minds are using 70,000 thoughts, the same 70,000 thoughts, every day to enable us make it through the day. And these thoughts plague us. These thoughts, as I said a minute ago, have us under their spell. They're not just going to vanish overnight. Now, the first thing I say to anybody who sends me an email like that is, Oh, I'm sorry, you're not unique. You're not even special. We're all blessed, clearly that's the wrong word, with this normal way of operating, the way in which our minds evolved. And as I said to you a few minutes ago, nothing's going to change until you take charge of your own personal evolution. And I actually mean that literally, because when we do meditate, we actually physically restructure our brain. Our brain becomes more highly evolved. And most importantly, the parts of our brain that enable us know what is going on in the moment and enable us do just what we need to do in the moment to get not to where we want to go, but to get to where is best for us, those parts of the brain are completely restructured. They start behaving in a different way. They enable us make choices moment to moment in an instinctive way. They enable us make decisions using our gut instinct. We end up having a feel for what we should be doing, which is entirely different from thinking about what we should be doing. Our brains, our restructured brains, are actually more highly evolved brains. And they enable us hear our gut instinct when we need it most. And you know when that is? That's actually now, and now, and now again. And that is why once we begin to move out of this trance state, we need to ensure that moment to moment we make the choice to stay awake. And when we make that choice to stay awake, gradually, little by little, the thoughts that held us back no longer have any power over us. Not because they've gone away, but because we have starved them of our attention by coming to our senses. Yes, that's the phrase used by the University of Massachusetts Medical School, who brought mindfulness to the West in its current ill-taught form, as I said earlier on, in 1989, with the introduction of mindfulness-based stress reduction therapy, coming to our senses. We have five of them, and normally you don't pay them a blind bit of attention. Somebody says something to you, and what do you do? 
you go off into your little body of stored knowledge that you learned when you were three and try to make sense of what they've said to you based on how you're feeling at the moment based on what you think of those people and by the way you, you've never met them because we compartmentalize people that we meet within the first four seconds so you go off into this wonder world of rubbish your own thoughts you pay no attention to what you're hearing you pay no attention to what you're seeing you look you judge you move on to something else not something else that you're looking at you move on to something else in your own head based on the judgment you've made in relation to what you've seen mad stuff mad stuff but when we meditate when we tune ourselves in we come to our senses and all these people who say to me oh I can't meditate my mind is too noisy I quote John Kabat-Zinn to them the man who brought us mindfulness-based stress reduction therapy Kabat-Zinn says if you can breathe you can meditate anybody can do it everybody can do it and you know the worst thing you could do when you start meditating is thinking about your thinking it, that's double madness what we all need to do is just let the thoughts that wandered in wander out again. You know, many, many years ago, one of my very first clients said, oh, when a thought wanders into my head, I have a big imaginary baseball bat and I whack it out of the park. And I said to him, you don't need a baseball bat because the thought isn't real. You don't need to use any energy to whack something that isn't there away thought isn't real until you give it your attention. Don't give it your attention. Pay attention to the next breath that you take. And the thought that drifted in will drift out again. This is the importance of the choice you need to make between being mindful or staying mindless. This is the difference between doing a short meditation in the morning and not bothering. There's the difference between stopping during the course of the day to take a couple of nice, long, slow, deep breaths to bring yourself back to the here and now. The alternative is to scurry around like a headless chicken, keep bumping into walls, keep making the same mistake and wondering why it's so difficult to change your life choice is yours. The choice is yours now. The choice is yours moment to moment to moment. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-org.